Hi, Megan. Hi, Kimmy. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Kimmy, you want to go first? You want me to go first? You can go first. Okay. Uh, So Kimmy and I are the co-hosts of the Munch Bunch podcast. Um, We are so grateful to be joining your podcast, Shelly. So thank you so much for the invitation. Um, Kimmy and I, and I'll let Kimmy share her story too, but I'm going to share our origin story. Uh, We are both (laughs) dental hygienists um, who are specialized in myofunctional therapy. Uh, I started my practice in 2016, Northwest Myofunctional Therapy. Uh, We had an in-person practice for about two and a half, three years. Um, In the meanwhile, also building a virtual practice. We used to use Skype back in the day. (laughs) We upgraded to Zoom in 2018 and fully went uh, virtual at the end of 2018. So um, I've been able to see pretty much kids five and up um, around the world for the past several years. And it's been awesome, which led me to meet Kimmy uh, in 2020, right before the world shut down, like literally the week before the world shut down. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We met in San Francisco at a pediatric dental conference representing Mayo Munchie. And uh, we just spending like three or four days together, hit it off, went to the Golden Gate Bridge. Fisherman's Wharf had just like the best, lots of ice cream at Ghirardelli Square, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) We had the best time. And when we got back, Kimmy's like, we should start a podcast. Actually, it might have even been at the conference that yeah. Kim was like, we should start a podcast. And I was like, yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. And here we are. You know, we just celebrated our three-year anniversary. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we've been having a great time. So I'm based out of Portland, personal life. I'm based out of Portland, Oregon. Um, I have a two-year-old, um, Isabel. She is the best. Izzy baby. Uh, she was born lip tongue and cheek tight. So we um. had quite... You name it, she got it. Uh, <laughs> she was she she goes all out all the time, so it just makes sense. <laughs> on brand, oh, yeah, yeah, she's on brand. So uh, we went through that journey with her, um, and my breastfeeding with journey with her was actually really really difficult. Um, I had retained placenta, and so I actually didn't produce um, milk, and we were in with lactation like twice a week, trying to like figure everything out. And after about like nine, 10 weeks of like giving it our, like everything we got, I couldn't produce more than like two to four ounces of milk a day. Mm-hmm. And even hospital grade pump, even supplementing like through a nipple shield, like you name it, we tried it. And um, so we ended up having to end our journey early, which was really emotionally hard for me, um, knowing everything I know about facial development. And uh, so she went over to the bottle. Um, and that's kind of where we ended up. So we do everything functionally now to help her continue to grow and work mm-hmm. on all those things. So um, yeah, that's our, that's my story. That's kind of a long story because I have to include Izzy Baby and everything I do, of <laughs> course. So <laughs> the extension of my heart, like my heart literally outside of my body. So exactly. she just can't she counts in, in all my stories. So, and then Kimmy is amazing. I'll introduce mm-hmm. her. Kimmy Nishimoto. She just got married um, in Mexico. Ooh. <laughs> it was amazing. Best wedding ever. Um, you were there, I assume. Uh, yes, I yeah, was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Front and center. 
Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's so cool that you guys just clicked instantly and we're like, hey, we've been at this conference and now we're like besties. <laughs> yeah. We've only mm-hmm. been in person maybe like four, maybe four five times, times wow. tops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we talk constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it feels like we're in person together all the time. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we just always feel like we're together. So, mm-hmm. um, which has been so fun about our friendship. So, mm-hmm. Kimmy, your turn. Okay. My name's Kimi Nishimoto, and I had every myofunctional disorder there was. <laughs> and we will go into what that means in the episode, guys. Um, but basically, uh, dental hygienist got into dental hygiene because I had really horrible fear of the dentist. And when I was 16, I was still having my mother hold my hand through cleanings. And I realized I should probably get over it at this point. <laughs> so you really leaned into your fear. Yes. Yes, I love that. <laughs> I decided maybe I should be like more friendly to my dental hygienist and my dentist and like maybe try to understand like why they were torturing me. And, you know, kind of was like, oh, on the other side of this, it's really cool. So I went on to be a dental assistant, dental hygienist, um, did that for many, many years. And then through fate or whatever you want to call it, um, learned about airway and myofunctional therapy. And it's led me down this other beautiful journey. Um, So now I help kids, adults, families, everybody except for babies, (laughs) um, learn how to breathe better, sleep better, digest and just live more functionally which kind of affects every other part of life and then obviously the podcast is super super fun and our major passion project in life and uh so yeah my my practice is virtual I work with ages around three four years old and up um I work with a lot of families um I do virtual, so I kind of live wherever I want to live, which is a dream of mine to be a digital nomad. And as of last year, I'm doing it. So that's been really, really fun. Yeah. So that's that's my origin story. It's <laughs> amazing. So I hear like myofunctional therapy and myofunctional disorders thrown around a lot mm-hmm. by the families I'm working with. It's often like, oh, someone told me that I should take my my baby or my toddler to get some myofunctional therapy. What exactly is myofunctional therapy and myofunctional disorders? Because I feel like a lot of parents don't really know what they're looking for when they are being told to, to go see someone for that. Yeah. So, um, myofunctional therapy, myofunctional disorders, first of all, it's a big old mouthful that like is really hard for everybody to (laughs) even like remember. And so it actually gets confused a lot. Um, You know, sometimes it gets thrown around with myofascial, sometimes it gets confused with like uh, myofascial release. And so myofunctional therapy as an umbrella is basically a functional therapy um, that is designed to help with any sort of basically what we call functional disorders, right? We keep throwing out functional, but what that really means is helping us breathe better, speak better, chew better, you know, some of the most basic things and how we like rewind back to what that looks like is we want you breathing through your nose all day and all night. 
lips sealed together all day and all night. Tongue fully up sealed to the roof of the mouth. And then that correct chewing and swallowing piece. So that's like 30,000 foot view. And how we get there is a little bit different depending on your symptoms, depending on, you know, your compensations, depending on your needs, depending on kind of what the root cause of those things are to begin with. So um, the difference between myofunctional therapy, and this is where things can feel confusing or sometimes a little sticky is you have to be able to mimic back the exercises. Okay. And so for that younger population, toddlers, one-year-olds, two-year-olds, like Kimmy and I don't work with them. Um, I mean, I experiment on Isabel all the time, but that's because she's my, uh, that's because she's my child. Um, And when we need more help, we will recruit more help from occupational therapists, from speech language pathologists who specialize in oral motor therapy, who specialize in feeding therapies. And so there is a line between that. Um, And there's a specialist just like for you, Shelly, being, uh, you know, an IBCLC, you know, we all have kind of our specialty and we all can work really, really well together. So a myofunctional disorder really is kind of the basis, the opposite of those four goals, right? Mm -hmm. So mouth breathing, having your lips apart, having your tongue live in the bottom of your mouth, not being able to chew and swallow correctly. Sometimes oral habits like extended uses of pacifiers is a red flag. Um, Thumb sucking, finger sucking, chewing on sleeves, chewing on, you know, your toys, hands and feet, Um, you know, just kind of that like always sensory seeking within the mouth. Mm -hmm. are some kind of beginning stage red flags kind of in that younger age group that we're looking for um, sleep stuff, right? So the kids who do gymnastics in their sleep, Mm -hmm. the kids who snore, the big droolers, um, bedwetters. I'm like, just like calling out all of my own myofunctional disorders. So just so you know, like, I'm like, what did I do? I was a bedwetter. Mm And Kimmy, what are some of the other stuff? Nightmares, night terrors. Nightmares, really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I can actually share about that. Yeah. I had nightmares every single night of my life since mm-hmm. I was a small child until I had my tongue tie surgery when I was 29. Um, so every single night of my life until I was 29. And now I will have a nightmare if I'm congested or if I'm very stressed. It's the weirdest thing, but I think that nightmares are more of a telltale sign of sleep disordered breathing than we give it credit for. And what's the connection Um, there? Like why would sleep disordered breathing cause a nightmare? Do you know? I think my theory is that when we breathe hard and heavy, Mm -hmm. our body is trying to wake us up Mm -hmm. or it's trying to like create a story behind like why we're breathing so hard. So, you know, there's a couple of different ways, like when we start to lose oxygen, right. And our brain starts to lose oxygen and it's like, oh no, like this can't happen up in here. Right. Um, our body responds in a few different ways and like nightmares kind of fall in that fight or flight response, right? Like, oh, we're, we're losing oxygen. We need to do something to like get oxygen. So one thing it can do is it can like kind of start creating that like fear, which is where kind of the nightmares come from in that like sleep cycle, right? 
Um, it can also put our heart, like put a lot of pressure on our heart to pump really hard to get blood flowing, to get oxygen. And then a fluid buildup happens around the heart, which flushes to the kidneys, which then is where like bladder bedwetting or adults just like wake up mm-hmm. to go to the bathroom at night. Um, on the dental perspective, clenching and grinding, right? So you're clench and grind, your body feels pain, and then you pop open, right? Yeah. And so it's a cycle. And you know how your body responds. I think sometimes it's age dependent. I think sometimes it's um, you know, kind of what your anatomy is, mm-hmm. you know, some people get to do all of them, right? I was a clencher and grinder. I was a bedwetter, yeah. but I wasn't a nightmare person, mm-hmm. right? Kimmy was a nightmare person. Um, and you've done some clenching and grinding too, right? Oh yeah. Um, ever since I was a kid, I used to wake up bashing my teeth. It'd be so hard. I'd wake myself up mm-hmm. or, um, by the time I was 17, all of my front teeth were flattened. And my back teeth have no grooves on them anymore. They're just totally flat. And that was another thing that after I had my tongue tie surgery, I stopped grinding my teeth that night. So that night. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. It's so wild. The airway is so, so important. You mentioned like tongue tie is being connected to uh, myofunctional disorders. Can you explain a little bit why, like why would a tongue tie cause these issues and what are some other things that cause these disorders? In my practice, I see a lot of babies who who have ties, but also really high narrow palates, really recessed jaws, things like that. Does that have a connection as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It all goes back to basically your palate, the roof of your mouth is where your tongue is meant to live. And so anything that keeps the tongue from living up in that palate is going to cause a domino effect of dysfunction through the body. So like a tongue tie is where it's physically tethered or anchored down to the floor where it can't fully seal up there. Um, If they have low tone or a low muscular posture, uh, we call it low tongue posture where the tongue just kind of sits in the floor or sits against the front teeth, but it's not fully suctioned and sealed to the roof. That can also cause dysfunction. Um, Tongue thrusting is that infantile swallow where they push forward versus push on the roof and then swallow like the wave motion. Mm -hmm. Um, And then other things like that could take the tongue out of the palate would be like thumb sucking or finger sucking or, um, any sort of oral seeking that maybe is causing them not to have their tongue in the roof. Um, So tongue tie is a really big factor when it comes to all this development and the airway, because the tongue has to press on the palate to grow that bone, the bone that goes from your under eyes to your top jaw. We call it the maxilla. So the tongue has like a very specific pressure and motion, um, almost like a wave when we are swallowing correctly. And that pressure, as well as the posture of like how it's sitting up there is what helps to grow the bones. Um, So tongue tie is a big factor because it can't always fit up there or it can't fit fully. Um, So you got the anterior tongue tie where it's really tight to the tip or you have the posterior tongue tie where it can't get up in the back to seal. And so any of those things could cause domino effect of dysfunction um, in the airway, which is the space behind the tongue, which is our breathing tube. So mm-hmm. a lot of times with 
kids that grow up with tongue tie, they end up being restlessly because their body is trying to readjust and move that tongue out of their airway. Same thing with tongue thrusting. We want to introduce this Thought for Tots course, a parent's guide for toddlers ages 2 to 5 for Mini Mayo. We have Megan and Kimmy going over nasal hygiene, myofunctional exercises, breathing exercises, tongue tie healing protocols, and then we have Jenny June going over sleep hygiene and Kelsey Baker going over feeding therapy and body work. Uh, the course is $2.97 and the link will be in the description. Megan, what's your thoughts? Uh, first of all, that was beautiful. Uh, <laughs> loved it. Um, the other thing, so well, I have a couple like cheesy phrases that like get thrown around. Um, so one is like form follows function, right? And what does that mean for us? Like the function of the muscles of your face, your mouth and your tongue actually form your face and your bones, right? Like how many times have you heard like all through school that like your tongue's the strongest muscle in your body, right? Mm -hmm. And that our bones are malleable and they're always growing. And so if we're putting the correct forces from the strongest muscle in your body onto these malleable bones, it either can work for you or it can work against you, right? Mm -hmm. And our job is to get it working for you. At its core, that is our job. And so when that tongue's fully up in the roof of your mouth, it can act like a natural expander, when your lips are closed appropriately, they can be your face's braces and everything comes together as it is designed. So um, we always tell our kids, I tell adults too, but you know, kids think it's funnier that noses are for breathing and mouths are for eating. You mm -hmm. wouldn't eat through your nose, so you shouldn't breathe through your mouth, right? Mm -hmm. And all of that, any of these kind of big things that we're talking about, whether it's like tongue mobility restrictions, right? It's kind of the fancy way to talk about tongue tie. Because we're looking at, you know, there's different grades of tongue ties. There's different scales of tongue ties. At its core, it's, is your tongue's mobility and range of motion impacted by the string, by that freedom under your tongue, or is it not? Like, that's mm -hmm. really what it breaks down to, no matter what grade you are. We're looking at the function of the tongue as an organ, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so when those things aren't happening, that's where we see that trickle down effect that you're talking about. And so it's all kind of just what are the contributors to that? Um, and that's where we kind of, you know, we can get nitpicky on every, every single symptom. But really, when we're talking about like growth and tongue ties and mobility and tongue posture, is it affecting function? Are you having compensations to work around that? If yes, then we need to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And I like how you had mentioned um, think what it can look like, the early red flags. Like I have a lot of babies who can't seal their lips and they sleep with their mouth open. And that's actually a question that I ask on my intake is, does your baby sleep with their mouth open or closed? Um, clogged tear ducts too. I see a lot of that with babies who can't seal or have a high palate. Um, and I, I almost feel like maybe the palate cuts too much into the nasal passages and stuff and just clogs it up. Um, so when I'm working with the family and we're struggling to, well, they're struggling with feeding and we're figuring out why, you know, sometimes there's a tie and it's missed, or sometimes the family opts not to release the tie or there's the high palate and the recessed jaw. So, um, what happens in the future 
because I help families with how it impacts the breastfeeding and bottle feeding. But a, a very common question that I get from most of the families I work with is, okay, well, we, we kind of got the breastfeeding part worked out. We have it at least working. Maybe it's a lot of compensations that are why it's working, but it's working. So what about in the future? Like, is it going to impact my baby's speech? Is it going to impact all this other stuff? And I can't assess for that. So I think it's a great idea if we go into like the ages, what it can look like at different ages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of like a blanket blanket statement that we hear a lot too, is like, oh, well, it's not affecting their speech. So we don't need to do anything. And that's like one piece of like the what, like 12 to 18 piece, like pie, puzzle, pizza, whatever your preference is. Right. Um, So speech, definitely R's, L's, S's, T's, right. Like speech definitely can be impacted stutters tripping over words, clarity, mumbling, right? Um, And when speech is impacted, um, that's where we would partner with a speech therapist to help us in that functional space. And then we're also looking at breathing habits, right? If we're breathing through our nose, our nose, I think it does like 90% of the filtration system, you know, like that's our, our body's air filter, if we bypass that and we use the tonsils, which are only kind of, I think, supposed to catch that last 10%, we start seeing tonsil infections. We start seeing adenoid infections. Um, if we don't swallow correctly, especially when we're younger, then like the angle of our jaws are a little more upwards. And so for tongue thrusting, when we swallow, that fluid then drains into our ears. And then we start seeing major issues with ear infections. So chronic ear infections needing ear tubes, kids who are like sick all the time, because again, they're not filtering out viruses through their noses. Um, you know, we already talked about this, but I'm thinking like toddlery, right? Thumb mm-hmm. suckers, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of, what are some of the other toddler stage stuff that you can think of, Kimmy? Um, I see where the kids don't sleep through the night and they wake up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I've even had this one little boy where he was three years old and he had never slept more than two hours a night, mm-hmm. like in stretches longer than two hours. So um, I, that's not really my area of expertise, but mom did come to me and I taught her how to do some nasal hygiene and how to help keep his lips more sealed. And then he started sleeping, like, I think he got to like five, six hour stretches, which was a miracle for her. She never ended up coming back because she was so happy that he was sleeping, which I'm like, dang it, I shouldn't have done such a good job. (laughs) I see these kids too that sleep a lot with their neck extended back Mm -hmm. or they they only sleep on their tummy Mm -hmm. to, to open up their airway. And I'll see like a lot of moms, oh, look, my baby always sleeps like this. Isn't it cute? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just feels so bad because I'm like, your baby is adorable, but it's not cute that they sleep like that because there's an issue there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a body compensation to sleep with their head back mm-hmm. um, or tucking their knees and kind of they're like sleeping on their bellies, on their knees with their little butts in the air. Mm-hmm. That's also a compensation to try and open up the airway to help them breathe better your movers where they reposition or they, they spin around in their beds. Or I used to wake up, like start at the head of my bed and then end up at the foot or if they fall off the bed, cause they're moving so much. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Um, and also that age group, like picky eating um, beyond just like 
preference of like different tastes, right? Um, picky eating, especially with textures. Like I had a whole week once where like eight of my patients all told me how much they hated mashed potatoes. And I was like, how dare you? Um, <laughs> it was the funniest thing. Like every single one, I had never had that before. And that's, I've never forgotten it because it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, but even like str- struggling to like transition to solid foods, like super gaggers, vomiters, choking, mm-hmm. things are always going down the wrong pipe. And that, that actually can transition to like, elementary school age groups right like that one's not just for toddlers that's like mm-hmm. you're you know there was like grown adults telling me they hated mashed potatoes so that one gets to stretch across to all ages but um and same thing with like the wrong pipe or some choking um digestively we'll see things like colic again that was me I was the colicky baby um lots of spit up even put on acid reflux medication as a baby And then, you know, you go into toddlerhood and you might still see that like they throw up really easily, or if they take too big of a bite, they're always going to like spit it out. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll see issues with like constipation because they don't chew their food thoroughly enough. And so it doesn't really make its way well down the rest of the digestive tract. Hmm. Um, You never thought of that one. mm -hmm. (laughs) Super common, super common. Yeah, I would say like 90% of our patients probably have some sort of digestive issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either constipation or the other one, diarrhea. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. your body just has a hard time processing the food if you don't chew it well. It has to work mm-hmm. way harder. It yeah. is so amazing how what happens in our mouth impacts the rest of our body. Oh, yeah. Because I don't think most people view it as that. And, you know, as a lactation consultant, I'm always telling parents, your body, your baby doesn't feed with just their mouth. They feed with their entire body. Mm-hmm. And and Beautiful. if something is going on with their mouth, like I wasn't, I was in my twenties before I even learned that if you had an infection, like a tooth infection, that could, you could like die from it. <laughs> like I didn't think you could go septic, like things like that. Um, and I think it's some, it's something that a lot of parents are surprised to learn too, because their pediatrician and most cases are not knowledgeable about this either. Thinking about kids in elementary school, if they have any of those sort of ortho issues, like their baby teeth are tight where there's not large spaces between the baby teeth, that's how we're supposed to be. But most of us are growing too small. So kids that have tight baby teeth that are cavity prone, um, like also if they have overbite, overjet, uh, crossbites, you know, all those things. Major underbite. Mm-hmm. Just signs that the jaws just aren't developing the, the way that they're supposed to. And so anytime you see that, that, there's always some sort of myofunctional disorder, some sort of functional reason why they have developed that way. Mm-hmm. And I think and then- for a lot of people, it's just accepted. Like, oh, this is just so, like, I'll work with a lot of families and they're like, oh yeah, he's, it's so cute. He snores just like his dad does. And it's viewed as like a family trait, right? That's it. So I'm like, yeah, I'm sure your husband has the same thing. But, um, and then if they are, if they do, like, I remember my son who has, he had a lip tie. He broke it on his own when he was about two, but he has a tongue tie and he was a miserable baby. He didn't sleep. He cried all the time. He had reflux. He had gas. Um, I had massive oversupply, so I just sprayed milk into his mouth. So he gained, but it was not a good time. But every time I went to the pediatrician and and tried to talk to them about it, they'd be like, well, he's gaining. So you're doing great. Mm -hmm. 
And I get that a lot from the families I work with. Yeah. Pediatrician also told me that Isabel wasn't tongue lip or cheek tied. So like, I don't have a whole lot of positives to say about that. Baby's just lazy. That's what I hear. Oh yeah. No. no, Why are you calling a baby lazy? (laughs) Yeah. Izzy would gag because she was so tongue tied, but she had like lip lip blisters all around her lips. Like Mm -hmm. I literally, she literally couldn't eat. Um, It was awful. It was miserable. I felt horrible. Um, And I felt horrible that like nobody else seemed to feel horrible that my baby couldn't like get any sort of like nutrition. So, um, but like uh, also kind of elementary school and even middle school, high school, we have like kids who struggle to pay attention. Um, They struggle to concentrate. They struggle to retain information. They've got big dark circles under their eyes. Um, you know, they maybe get diagnosed with ADD or ADHD. That was my next question. If you, yeah. Because I've read some studies that show that most diagnosed, like a large percentage of kids who are diagnosed with ADHD are actually have sleeping disorders related to earway. Yeah. And that's huge. Now I will say, and I know Kimmy feels the same way as me. We're not saying ADHD does not exist. Sure. Right. It definitely does. <laughs> it absolutely does. Um, but we do see more often than not that's where like the straight diagnosis goes to versus trying to figure out, okay, well, why are they having a hard time paying attention in school? Why are they really struggling? Um, I have a little buddy um, who I talk about during my consultations, a patient of mine um, who came to me, he was six and a half. He struggled with um, body control every day at daycare. He had a bad report. He struggled to make friends. He just was all over the place. He had huge tonsils and adenoids. He had a tongue tie um, and his chin was so far tucked back, right? And so we actually addressed all of those things. I didn't do his surgeries, but uh, amazing. ENT did for me, right? But I did the therapy around it, right? Because we all act as a team, no braces, no anything, just the myofunctional therapy. We used a myomunchie and he turned into a different kid. Wow. He like the picture I have that his mom sent me, he's sleeping like this, his chin super tucked back. The picture after therapy, his jaw grew forward so tremendously, his little yeah. cheeks filled out, he slept normal. He was a different human entirely because he actually like could sleep. And like he didn't have to go on medication because he could sleep. Right. And again, that's not every kid's story, but that is a very common story. And so we have to get to again the root cause of why we're seeing some of these things happening and pull in from each specialist when we need to. Mm-hmm. Collaborative mm-hmm. care. I love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. We're all about it. And I'm sure that you run into this too with like, you're talking to the parents about the babies and then they're like, well, my kid does this. And then I I have this symptom that you're talking about. So let's go on to talk about maybe some adult symptoms. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think the number one adult symptom that I come across is TMJ, mm-hmm. the clenchers, grinders, headaches. And then probably number two would be some sort of sleep disturbance, like either the really light sleepers or the chronic fatigue, snorers, sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a one-two punch for sure. If I had to come in with a you know a bronze medal, it would probably be um, they had braces once or twice as a kid or a teen, and they've had relapse and they're having to have braces or Invisalign or whatever again as an adult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do find so I I have a tie and a high palate, 
as well. Um, and I have to have a permanent retainer after all the years of braces, because if the retainer comes off, my, I start to have a relapse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So addressing that tie, um, will release that tension from pulling those lower teeth in, you know, again, face like natural retainer, natural expander followed by natural retainer. Right. Um, I never guilt anybody for not wearing their retainer because mm-hmm. I definitely ditched mine when I went to college before I knew it was going to be dental hygienist. Um, but I haven't had any major relapse since releasing my tongue tie and getting my tongue on the roof of my mouth. Right. And so, you know, you shouldn't have to have braces forever. You shouldn't have to have your retainers forever. Again, form follows function. So if we're functioning properly, the form will maintain. So yeah, I had a patient in Germany actually who... And it is the the record in my practice five times in braces by the age of 29. Uh, two phase as a kid, had it again at 19, had him again at 26 because nobody ever told him he had a tongue thrust, which was also contributing from a tongue tie. So did his own research. He found me. We did myo, his tongue tie release, addressed the tongue thrust during therapy, got his fifth round of braces on and his bite is closed and has stayed closed um, for the past two years now and this is the longest it has never opened up so um but it shouldn't have taken him his own research in five times in braces to get right yeah and let's just hit real quick what a tongue thrust is oh yeah it's a combination of low muscle tone that developed an abnormal swallow pattern so it can look like you have to push against your front teeth to swallow you push in between your teeth to swallow or um, the tongue will kind of shoot out the sides of the mouth, like near your molars or premolars in the back teeth Mm -hmm. out there. Um, Or a really subtle one is you can't swallow without moving your face, like right around your, your cheeks Mm -hmm. in the corners of your mouth. So you see the Mm -hmm. pursing or the wrinkling there. And that means that you're using your facial muscles to swallow versus the tongue suctioning and pumping against the palate yeah or even the little cheek the little cheek blow up mm-hmm. or yeah. the chicken mm-hmm. neck yeah and I feel like I see a lot of babies Momentum. who are overcompensating and they they develop these like tight muscular meaty cheeks that make it yep. even harder because they're so tight there's no like elasticity to form a sail and <laughs> and the cheeks are super cute but they can't they can't feed very well mm-hmm Exactly. That's exactly it. So, you know, and then they grow up into adults who like are all who are tight mm-hmm. and they can't, you know, and so I think adults really struggle with tension. You know, there's kind of two, two types of like kid, teen, adult type patients, either they're really low tone, um, which is Kimmy's type, right? And the kind of the mouth breather, longer face, less tone, and the, or there's the really tight, tense people, and that's Megan's type. Uh, <laughs> clenchers, grinders, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times in like a massage or in any sort of like physical therapy or anything, they're like, you know, go ahead and relax. And I'm like, I am relaxing. And I'm like, oh, honey, right? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Literally happened yeah. last week. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, relax. I am. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. no, you're not. Right. Like, I get like so much yeah. tightness here. My massage therapist yells at me every time I go see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you kind of usually fall on one side of those spec, the spectrums really mm-hmm. when it, when mm-hmm. it comes to that. So, 
um, you know, and then we all have like, you know, Venn diagram, the middle circle where we all have like very similar symptoms. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a, doesn't really matter how we got there, but the similar symptoms, right. That's where we really, mm-hmm. you know, our specialty, that's our bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to be respectful of your time. So if you could just, um, briefly give us like an idea of what it's like working with you guys, what the process looks like, and then where people can find you if they want to connect with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's super fun. We have a great time. All right. It's not torture. It's not, you know, we spend, you know, half the time laughing and, you know, cheering you on more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, generally speaking, and, you know, Kimmy can, Kimmy can jump in on this one too. You know, we want to evaluate, we want to see what actually is specific to your symptoms to come up with a customized treatment plan that makes the most sense for you and what you need. Um, There's hundreds of exercises out there. And yeah, you could spend lots of time with us learning them. But I like to figure out what you're already doing really well. um, And then where we can come in and help you along the way. I would say, you know, generally speaking, we work with you over the course of, you know, eight, nine, 10 months, depending on your needs. Um, we ask that you practice, you know, we try not to overwhelm your life. So we try to work everything in to your day to day, make it not overwhelming. So you create these new habits. Um, generally, we like to see people every, what, Kimmy, two-ish weeks, give or take, again, kind of based on schedule and timing. Because um, again, we're not here to overwhelm you. Mm-hmm. We're here to help be alongside of you, be your guide to make these changes um, for your health right? Like this is about you and for you. And we're just here to like coach you on, right. Mm -hmm. And get you to your goals and what your needs are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mine's basically pretty much the same as Megan's. (laughs) We work together. Like Kimmy and I work really closely together, Um, you know, and so we are, that's why we work together because our vibes Mm -hmm. are very similar. Um, and Kimmy is awesome because she also does some specialty and specializes in some face yoga, um, EFT tapping. Um, and so, you know, she has some of those extra kind of specialty stuff that she works in for those kind of advanced need patients as well. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, um, have more training in like younger kids, so I can start around three, four, Mm-hmm. five it just depends on the situation um we also work a lot with families so if one mm-hmm. person in the family needs therapy we'll see everybody so <laughs> that makes it a lot easier and a lot more palatable for people um yeah because then one person doesn't feel singled out or yeah. or whatnot because yeah. it affects everyone in the family differently you could all have similar ways that your tongue looks or functions but it may affect you completely different so we kind of tailor it around everybody. Mm-hmm. Is there an yeah. age where it's like too late? Mm-hmm. No. no, my oldest patient <laughs> seventy five, and she's crushing wow. it. Yeah, <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, and actually, so Kimmy and I actually we have a course for parents for toddlers um, that we uh, it's us as well as we have a sleep specialist guru Jenny June, um, then an amazing occupational therapist who focuses on the feeding aspect. Um, B.Well OT, Kelsey Baker. And so again, like we are really into collaborative care. And so on the sections that we don't specialize in, we brought others in um, to help with that parent education. So um, that's a big course. We call it the Spots for Tots, a parent's guide for 
uh, oral motor dysfunction for toddlers. Um, mm-hmm. So we have that available too as kind of a stepping stone to give parents some sort of guidance on what they need to do and, mm-hmm. um, you know, who to work with because it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And you have your podcast. And we have our podcast, the Munch Bunch podcast. So uh, we're kind of hard not to find. Uh, you can find Kimmy <laughs> on Mouth Muscle Memory on Instagram. You can find me at NWMFT. And then you can find our podcast at the Munch Bunch podcast. Great. And I will link to those in the show notes. And thank you so much for joining me today. Yes. Thank, thank you, you for Thanks, having Shelley. us. We have a special offer for our Munch Bunch listeners. To book a virtual consult with Megan, she's offering a discount of $25 off. Just email her, Megan, at nwmyofunctionaltherapy.com or through her website, www.orofacial-myology.com. To book a virtual consult with Kimmy for the $25 off, email her mouthmusclememory at outlook.com or through the website www.mouthmusclememory.com. 